Bem-vindos, gente. Welcome back to another episode of Si Se Puede here on the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network. Now, today, my conversation is going to be with the incredible Latina trailblazer and filmmaker, Elaine Del Valle. Now, I am excited to bring you this conversation with Elaine and introduce you to her in just a second. But before we do that, I would like to read an Apple podcast review. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and you want your review read on air, you just got to go to Apple Podcasts, give a uh, review, and leave your comment there, uh, especially if it's five stars. Uh, it helps people discover the podcast, and especially with this important project that I am very passionate about. Uh, it would mean a lot to me if uh, we were able to use this time and this project to amplify this podcast because it is such a joy to do this and I would love to share this joy with a lot of other people and also for these kinds of conversations I think it's important that more people are aware of the struggles of Latine and Hispanic people in the industry and in Hollywood. Um, so I want to give a little shout out to Professor Strunk. Now who could that be? Um, Felipe is an excellent interviewer and banterer and listening it is clear he cares about his craft. Also, I love the music he includes. Now, if you want to be like Daniel Strunk, uh, feel free to leave a review and I'll read your review on air. And thank you so much, Professor. Uh, you've taught me so well. Uh, anyways, now let's move aside from that and introduce my guest. So today my guest is the incredible multi-hyphenate Elaine Del Valle. Uh, she is a Puerto Rican filmmaker of many talents. She is multi-hyphenate. She's originally from the Brownsville Projects in Brooklyn, New York. So some of the hats that she wears include actor, director, writer, producer, and she makes her living during her day job as a casting director. Her autobiographical project, Brownsville Bread, it's a proof of concept for a pilot, but it originated as a one-woman stage that play that was even performed off-Broadway. Now it is being shown in multiple festivals, and it's gathering incredible reviews, including the 2022 South by Southwest Audience Award. I am so very excited to bring you this important conversation with this Latina trailblazer that is Elaine Del Valle. All right, everyone. Today, I'm joined by the great Elaine Del Valle. Elaine, how are you doing today? I'm very well. I I, I've, I don't think I've ever been called the great Elaine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you are. I, I, I think you're very talented, and I'm so excited that you're joining us here on this episode. Um, if you want to give like an uh, introduction to yourself uh, for the listeners who might not know who you are yet. Sure. I'm a multi-hyphenate filmmaker, originally from Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York, of Puerto Rican descent. Um, have a great passion for directing film and creating stories. And uh, my bread and butter job of late has been um, as a casting director. I own my own casting and production company. So when I'm not able to direct my own films and create my own content, I'm actually um, casting for that of others, which really um, makes me in tune with uh, talent and also um, emerging directors such as myself. And I just love it. Um, I, I, think that's a, 
I think that's such a cool like job to have in addition to what you do because then you get to learn about other sides of the business that can help enhance your your projects and, and give you this extra like knowledge that some people might not have if they were only just working in the production side of it instead of the casting yes. one as well. Well, it keeps me entirely involved with agents, talent, knowing who's out there, knowing new talent, um, getting to know their management and, and how they grow, watching them grow. And also, I think even the best the best part of it is actually um, building new talent, right? So like uh, finding people and encouraging them to move into the space of entertainment because there, especially in, in worlds of um, Latine culture, there aren't enough of us to fill the, the roles and, and the needs that we have in our, in our space for them. Yeah, that's, that's something that's very important to like create more opportunities for our people. And I think the, one of the ways, especially for like on-screen talent is in casting, that's like where it starts. Um, and having someone in your corner who looks like us can be an incredible help to confidence and comfort around uh, this, this whole industry. Yes, yes. I definitely like to demystify the process and let people know that it's, it's available. It's, it's not easy. But uh, time, dedication, uh, hard work, uh, proper training, and raw talent, there's, there's nothing that you can't do if, if you set your mind to it. I, I love that. Um, do you know, speaking of Latina Heritage, do you have a recollection of the first time you remember seeing something that you resonated with because of the representation aspect of it? And it could be like a movie, a TV show, a commercial. Yeah, if I tell you the movie, it's going to be hilarious to you. Because in retrospect, um, I remember I was 11 years old when I went to the movies to see Scarface. And I was so excited that there were Latinos on the big screen and with the accents. I thought Al Pacino was Latino, of course. Yeah. Because uh, he sounded just like my dad sounded. Um, so that that was funny. But yeah, like right, right then I was like, wow, this is... It was really exciting to see people like me on screen. That's, uh, of course, you know, not the drug trade, but just the people who sounded like me and represented me. Um, uh, I just, I just really loved it. I was entirely excited by the notion of it. And I know that other people, you know, when I speak to other directors, they're like, oh, when I saw this movie and then I found out that Cuadron uh, uh, was the director of it, like it really changed my life. But for me, it was actually um, seeing people in the space like me, because prior to that, um, the only thing that I really related to, we grew up, I grew up really, really poor. So we could hardly afford movies. So I always was watching television. So um, for me, I really related to the show Good Times, Norman Lear's Good Times, because they were living in the projects and it was a family of love and, and really um, into righteousness and right from wrong and so that that was the that was what I really related to as a kid. So, yeah, seeing Latinos on the big screen for me was a was a big thing at eleven years old. I can resonate with the fact that you connected so strongly, even though you didn't realize that he was not Latino. Al Pacino was not Latino because, like, there are times that I feel like I'll look past that fact just in the sense because we don't have any Latinos. So to get someone who's portraying a Latino, even if they weren't that was still exciting for me. And hopefully as we continue to progress, we'll see more Latinos taking up Latino roles. Yes. But uh, growing up, I can understand and uh, I can see where the excitement comes from because when you don't have nothing, any little 
portion of it is exciting. Yes, absolutely right. Um, do you have, like, before you saw that movie, did you have any experiences recognizing the lack of representation or was it only when you saw that and you noticed it? No, you know, um, I didn't really think about it. Now, of course, as a filmmaker, I think about it so much. I think about it as a producer. I think about it as a writer, as a director and casting. I think about it all the time because, you know, of the research that I've done for my own projects to represent it, why we need to be represented, the symbolic annihilation of us in the landscape of entertainment and how that affects the psyche of people watching and understanding that if, if we're not in that landscape, then we must not matter. And not only don't we matter to ourselves um, through, if that happens, but we don't matter to others as well. And so I think about it all the time in, in every aspect of, of my filmmaking and whatever I'm doing, because I understand it very clearly. Um, what has your experience as uh, a Latina in the industry been like, if you don't mind sharing anything? Like, obviously, everyone deals with it in different ways, but have you faced any additional obstacles as a Latina, as a woman, uh, that you don't even think some of your white peers would even ever consider? Well, you know, I say, you know, people come from a place of where they come from, right? So you can't, they can never understand what it's like to, you know, sit in, in someone else's shoes. Like they come from a different place. In some cases, it's a place of privilege. In some places, it's in some cases, it's like who you know that gets you there. And so, you know, I don't blame people for that. I just want to create stuff that that allows for more empathy. And um, you know, for me, I think as a woman, it's been really hard. A lot of the times, just being a woman, people believe that you got to where you got to because people are handing you a bone because you're a woman. And I find that that happens more and more now, um, especially like we, I hear that from men, like women are being handed these opportunities because they're women. And maybe that is the case in some cases, but not in all cases. And they like to generalize. And so there, there, are, there is a bit of tension and bitterness that builds, you know? Um, but um, all in all, like I, I think that my body of work represents me very well. I work really hard, diligently. I, you know, a lot of people say I'm the hardest person that they, that they know in the business. Um, and I just, I just love what I do. So I don't like want to take a vacation from what I do because I, I genuinely love it. And, uh, and I'm always trying to connect the dots of how I can advance in my career toward what I'm aiming for, which I would love to direct for episodic television and create more television. You know, I want to be like, I want to be like Ryan Murphy. I want to be like Ava DuVernay. I want to be directing and creating and also like them giving opportunities to others. So, um, so those are my aims. Um, so I, I would say also just try not to compare yourself too much with other people and just um, be a horse with blinders on. You know, like really just move forward and try not to compare yourself to others because that can just lead to to bad feelings and bitterness. And and sometimes like that, that how do I put it? That revenge, like I'll show them. Like if you do feel that way, I recommend, um, which I, I feel that way sometimes, right? 
I recommend that you do what I do and, and use it to your advantage where, yeah, I'll show them and then use that as a motivational tool if that's what you're feeling. Um, do you want to share what Brownsville bread is like in your own words? Because I, uh, I got to see it and I was so in, like invigorated by the project. Like it made me feel a lot of joy. I want to hear from you as to what it is. And then I'll, 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 I'll internalize that. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it's, it's a autobiographical story that is a proof of concept for a TV pilot. Um, and I really enjoyed it because, um, it can, it's a little heavy at times, but like in terms of like the representation, there was like so much Latino joy at the beginning, like, and it takes place in, uh, the Brownsville area of the Bronx, uh, the pro yeah, sorry, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Sorry. Oh my yes. God. Uh, the boroughs confuse me sometimes. Um, but yeah, and it's a it's a autobiographical story of your own life, and the little girl who plays you is incredible. Like, and she was one of your own casting finds, right? Oh yes, um, Summer Rose Castillo. I actually found her. So I'm the casting director of a show called Alma's Way on PBS Kids. It's an animated series. We're now in our second season, and. Um, Back in 2020, when I first started casting, we were looking for, well, everybody, right? But in particular, children to play the family and, um, and particularly Alma, the, the leading character, Alma in Alma's way. And they wanted to have a six to eight year old Puerto Rican girl from the Bronx. So I was, I did an all out search. I went beyond you know, what agents and managers knew because there aren't a lot of them. And I went to the public and the people that I knew and friends that I knew and actors that I knew and to find, to really unsettle the earth and find new talent. And that's how I found Summer Rose Castillo. That's how I came to her. Of course, she became Alma and Alma's way. And, uh, and then when I was ready to do um, Brownsville Bread, I had originally had someone else in mind for it that I had been working with before, before I'd ever met Summer. And then, um, you know, good things fall apart so better things can fall together. Well, the better thing that fell together for me and Brownsville Bread was uh, Summer Rose. Uh, becoming Elaine and uh, accepting that challenge and that role. And she did it so brilliantly. And I, I'm so very happy that, um, that I was able to really show her to the world in this way, because she's so worthy of that. And I, I see very exciting things for her future. And she was just a dream to work with, as were her parents, which is makes such a difference when you're working with children. You really want to have parents that can just support you, be on board, understand the industry, um, which was what the what the issues were um, with some, you know, I've, I've had those issues in the past. So, so working with um, people who are agreeable is always very helpful because production is hard enough. Um, so yeah, I loved, um, thank you for that, that very beautiful statement for Brownsville Bread. And you're right, it is a proof of concept that I have on the festival circuit now as a pilot a pilot to um, what I envision to be an anthology series. Um, but, and in, in the anthology series, actually Elaine's story 
um, as you said, it's autobiographical. Elaine's story is one of the stories in the anthology series, um, which is also can be looked at as a feature film. So I actually wrote Elaine's story as a four act feature film. And um, it's my dream as a, as a director to have my directorial debut with Brownsville Bread, um, to have my feature film directorial debut with Brownsville Bread as a feature. So, so I keep moving in parallel tracks um, with that story, but um, the story itself, as we said, it's autobiographical. And the first time that I ever told that story was actually as a one woman stage play. I began my career as an actor. I studied at Carnegie Hall under a legendary teacher by the name of Wynne Handman. I became very frustrated at the lack of roles that were available for Latinas. And that was the impetus that made me want to write my own stories, especially an urban American Latina story, which I felt was so absent in the world. And, um, and I did that very successfully. It went off Broadway. The New York Times wrote about it from girlhood trials to onstage triumph. And, um, and then I subsequently adapted it into a novel. It won most inspirational young adult book of 2020 by the um, International Latino Book Awards. And as I moved into my passion of directing, I just knew that I really wanted to tell the story of Brownsville Bread. And, and by the time that I told it, now it's been, I've been directing for since 2011. So I've been directing for quite a while now and directing successful short films. And, and it was finally time to take that leap into what I knew would be what would really give me everything that I, that I was wanting in my career. And when I tell you Brownsville Bread, I still am determined to finish it as a feature, um, pitch it as an anthology series, um, but also um, it owes me nothing. It really has done so much for me. We won the South by Southwest Audience Award in the pilot competition. Um, an agent who could not get into either of the showings at South by Southwest reached out to me. Now I'm represented by Gersh, which was my, that th was on my like vision board. Yeah. I don't have a vision board, but in my head, I have a vision board. Yeah. <laughs> it was on my vision board to be represented by Gersh. And so now I'm represented by a leading agency whose aim is exactly where I see myself and that's breaking into episodic television directing. So I'm consistently meeting with some um, uh, wonderful production companies, networks in order to gain those inroads. And Brownsville Bread continues to um, be on the festival circuit as both a pilot and a short film whenever that category is not available. And has really, um, I've only, I've only submitted it to the, you know, my favorite festivals, the ones that I would be impressed with if someone told me that they were in and it's been extraordinarily successful. We won at Series Fest. Uh, we're on our way to, um, we're on our way to Catalyst Stories, which is huge in Minnesota. We did Heartland at, at you know, Palm Springs, uh, just numerous film festivals that it's really Holly Shorts, all of these top tier, film festivals where I get to be around other emerging filmmakers that I know is the future. And future. I think it's exciting that, to hear you talk about uh, everything that you just mentioned, like between the acting and like your journey and just seeing how hard 
work pays off for someone as incredibly talented as you. And uh, I also want you got uh, Javier Munoz, who I know from Hamilton as the dad. And um, I remember you told a story at the Holly Shorts about how you were able to get him. But if you want to share that story here. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, he's just a dream to work with, let me say. And, you know, I started this with Summer saying good things fall apart so better things can fall together. And that's exactly what happened with Javier as well. We had already um, cast a dad and it was someone who had a role in a major motion picture, like a I want to say billion dollar picture, uh, not billion, but I'm sure in the hundreds of millions. Of yeah. And they had to go back to um, another country to do some pickups. Yeah. So I lost my actor. And ironically, it was just like a couple of weeks or like a week before that, that another producer who has since optioned another project of mine, um, he reached out to me and he said to me, you know, I, I met someone who is interested in Brownsville bread. He never told me who she was because it wasn't available to him at the time. But he said, you know, she's Puerto Rican. She's a big part of, I think he says a studio or network. She loves, like I pitched to the story softly. She loves it, but we would want to recast some people. And I was like, like who? And he said to me, like the dad. And I said, well, I'm about to film uh, like in two weeks. And he said to me, oh, you're still filming that? I was like, yeah, like just because you didn't want to support me doesn't mean that I'm going to stop my my train. My train yeah. is not going to stop. You can get on board, but my train is not going to stop because you say no. Um, so um, so he he was fascinated by that. And I said, I'm sorry, like I'm not going to change, but I'm curious to know who you think would be a great Manny, you know, cause Manny's a singer, he's a salsero, he's got all this pizzazz, swag. Everybody loves him. He's all about joy. And I'm so glad that he knew and remembered the character and told me like, we think like the dad should be Javier Munoz. And I was like, Javier Munoz, interesting. And I looked him up, I mean, of course, you know the name, you know Hamilton, you know In the Heights, you know, he's a big Broadway star. Um, but then I, I wanted to look him up personally. So I, I went on Instagram and I found him. And that day that I looked at him, he was on a train. It was like a selfie that he was doing. He was on a train and it was the pandemic. So the train in New York was pretty empty. It was empty, entirely empty. And um, he was speaking into, like talking to himself on the selfie, uh, doing a reel and saying, what does one do on a New York City train that's entirely empty? And he broke out into song. And right then I was like, oh, I love him. <laughs> like this is, this was my father. This is exactly what even I would do uh, because I get that from my dad also. Um, and, um, and I was just in love with him when I saw that. And um, also um, the producer had said to me, um, also, I don't know if you know this, but Javier Munoz, um, he lives with HIV. He's an HIV activist. And, and even though in the first part of the story that you saw, you don't see it, but at the, 
at the tail end of Manny's side of, of Elaine's story, my father, it's based on my dad, my dad actually recovered from addiction and then he became a cancer at a Pentecostal church in Puerto Rico and really like um, renewed his life, but um, not before he had contracted HIV. And um, back in the 90s, you know, you weren't living with that, you died of it. And so that's exactly what happened with my dad. He, he died of AIDS. And so, um, and so it was very apropos that we would have an actor who has HIV playing a character that has HIV. So, um, so yeah, it's, 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 you know, he's just the right person for his joy. And then also that's just a, an added element to it that really um, speaks of the importance and also um, the, the advances that we've made since back then, because Javier is extraordinarily healthy. And, um, and it's just, I love knowing that, you know, people can live with HIV now and live beautiful lives and successful and happy. And, and that really makes me feel great. And, and yeah, so that's the story I think you're talking about, right? No, thank you for sharing all that. And I, I mean, for me, representation matters means uh, for all kinds of representation. So it's exciting to hear that uh, he can portray someone who also later in the story that you have in mind, uh, which is based on your real life. So uh, he will understand what it means to be HIV positive if that's something that is explored um, in, in the continuations. Um, well, so that's, because it's, it's a, a story, right? We have to focus on her perspective. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, but we do get to understand the loss, you know, the loss of so many wonderful, talented people. And also, you know, um, in living in generational poverty, um, there are some mistakes that you just can't come back from. Yeah. And that is a lesson that Elaine learns early on through that. And, you know, I say Elaine, yes, it's me. Yes. And I look very deeply into myself and but the story is much bigger than me you know but i very I, I very much look to dive deeper into myself as an artist to bring the best story about and i don't think about the truth as much as i think about what will make the best feature film or best stories moving forward and i love the fact that your story even though there is like this darker element to it uh but it also features so much latina joy and like we love to sing, we love to dance, and that's like a core piece of your story. Um, yeah, and we just saw the first part. Now, yes. uh, in the play, if you read the reviews of the play, so many reviews say exactly the same thing, that it is a roller coaster of emotion. So, you know, a lot of films like go like this, or like go like this, and then that, and then that, right? That's just the arc of storytelling. But in the case of Brownsville Bread, it, it's always been like this and this, because that's life. Yeah. And so as it's a coming of age story, as we go through her different times, we get to experience that with Elaine at all ages and see um, both sides of the coin of whatever milestone she's at right then and there. And I, and I think that that's um, really great, you know, to show those, those highs and lows because, you know, there's no lightness without dark and, and filmmaking really is about exploring contrasts and, and bringing those out. So it's really been very special to adapt it as a feature, adapt it as an anthology series and, and work across different uh, 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 mediums 
in the piece and, and do that work myself as a writer. It's really been a joy. In terms of like the future, not just for this project and any other future projects, but what do you want the industry to look at in terms of the Latino stories that they tell, the Latine stories? Like, what do you want them to focus on um, moving forward? Uh, in And what does representation look like to you in that conversation? I think it's about um, the extraordinary Latine filmmakers that are coming up today. You know, I, I could name a bunch of them. And, um, and I think it's trusting them to tell their stories and not trying to uh, pasteurize them, uh, but allowing that to happen. Um, because we need, we need that. We need to be, we need that infusion in the same way that the black community has been given. Um, the black community is, they're killing it. They're doing it great. I mean, if I if I looked at any model that I would want to model my production company over, it would be the macro company. You know, Charles D. King started macro. Now they have M88. It's a management platform. They make movies. You know, they're they're just they're doing everything right. And um, and there's one you know black man at the head of that, and that was his vision. And I think that that's what um, I think that that's what the Latine community needs in order to solidify and also to not be um, a lot a lot of our stories um, they come from other countries you know and that that's great and fine that's just not my story yeah so we can't just put them all into one funnel and say this is this is the content you know i think that we need to allow us to to just allow us to flourish and and be different and have all these types of, of people representing us because, you know, if you're gonna say to me, I don't wanna tell a dark story of Latinos and we can't have, you know, we can't have this person be Latino and that, no, then you're not allowing us the truth. Just allow us to tell our truth without saying it's too dark. It's nobody's gonna buy it. It's just allow that and, um, and support it and believe in it. And I promise you one day, um, there's going to be somebody who looks at that and says, oh my God, this is what I needed to see. This is what I, you know, when we were at South by Southwest, it was Summer Rose's mom who was sitting in the audience and she said that she felt, how she felt about watching Brownsville Bread was the same way that she felt when she first saw Do the Right Thing. It was just, it hit her so hard that she was, felt so proud to be represented on screen in a, an authentic way. And that's how she felt for Spike Lee's story because that was a New York story of, of you know, from the hood, you know? So this is a different kind of story from the hood, from a different perspective, one that we do not see enough or maybe even at all, dare I say, you know, a, a, a Latina a female growing up in generational poverty, having to deal with the pitfalls of generational poverty, and also with the hope um, representing the promise that exists in the community as well. And you, and I don't want to spoil it for people who have yet to check it out, because I, I want everyone to go watch this movie, or sorry, this proof of concept, because uh, it is incredible but like the recurring motif of the Langston Hughes poem that you insert there yes. um which is like the through line from the start and the end yeah that's actually how the play started as well yeah. 
you know, I played all ages and I'd come out and, and start with like 301 Center Avenue between Rockaway and Mother Gaston, Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York, you know, and it's, it's that, you know, it's the joy that which you hear those words that is makes the difference, right? Because it's how we see it. And um, another part of the play, which also happens in the feature film, which you didn't see, is actually in the beginning of the play and in the beginning of the feature um, and the anthology series, we go through Wikipedia's definition of Brownsville, which is actually, it's horrendous. It's like, <laughs> it's like um, this like somewhere like 80% will will be 80% of males will be incarcerated i got these numbers wrong right now but something like will be incarcerated incarcerated before the age of 25 um this is the average media 17,000 something is the average uh income uh, most will not graduate from high school um so it's all of these um dark statistics that are real they're pushed on us but when you're living in in places like brownsville you're not feeling all of that you're just living your life you're just living your life and in everyday life there's smile and joy and love and hope if you're you know if you're lucky but for me there was and i wanted to really um show that and, and that's what should be shown because you know when you're living in it you don't realize it which is also a really important aspect of the story you know, revealing those pitfalls allows people living in it to maybe avoid them. You know, like I see Brownsville bread as like, a, like, a, like this is a big time say no to drugs. Cause like this amazing person, this can happen to them. It affects all these lives after them. And it really like shows like that was a big, a big thing for me in my whole life is like the fear of drugs right so you can go one way or another but it's really um opening myself up all my vulnerabilities up to audiences that allow them in to understand and through understanding is empathy and through empathy there there can be unity and you know that's that's really what i'm after as a filmmaker and i i feel so empowered by what you're saying because like growing up like the whole conversation about at least in terms of what i would see on tv was like all these mostly stereotypes mm -hmm. and granted stereotypes there's like some element of truth in there i i don't think they're like at least in the ones that i've seen in terms of the latino community like yeah like uh if you watch sofia vergara and modern family like my my family is loud as well like we like we have aspects of that that are relatable but i i hope that as we continue to explore stories in hollywood not just latino stories but like all stories of marginalized people we show yes like, what it can look like, the realism that is attached, the happy moments, the sad moments, and not just like these cartoonish caricatures of our, our people and our community and our culture. Yes, yes, absolutely right. And there's so much, there's so much talent coming up, not just in the directing space, but also the, the writing space and the producing space. And I'm really, um, I'm really, I, I really feel enthusiastic about it all and, and being a part of the community and, um, and being included as one of those names, it's just, uh, it's just been a joy for me. And, and really, I've been working a long time toward these goals. And, and I finally, you know, I finally feel like I'm, I'm having the success that I that I'd hoped for. And you absolutely deserve it. Like, I'm, oh, I'm so excited to see what you continue to do, because uh, that 
that project really invigorated um, my desire to amplify Latino voices um, with whatever small platform I have at the time. But it also empowered me to want to go and create more content and do the things that like drive me creatively. And I remember watching that in the movie theater and then uh, we like the rest of the shorts would come on and then every once in a while between them, like my mind would like kind of daydream into what like a story I had in mind and like being powered to want to create more and write more and do all that stuff. So um, I'm hopeful that we just continue to see more opportunities for Latinos as well, not just like in front of the camera, not just like in the high powered seats, but like if there's a Latino whose dream is, is to grip, I hope I get to see their name in the credits one time or uh, like all the all the behind the scenes people that work on these crews. I want to see like more Latino representation on all kinds of sets. Yes, we definitely need them in development and production. And, and there, I'm telling you, the people that I've been meeting with, I'm so encouraged. I've met so many um, young Latine people that are in studios, in networks, in these big programs, um, like the ABC Disney Fellowship Producing Program. I met someone there who is now in the comedy development side and with a, you know, as a, as a full-time working person and, you know, those sorts of stories for me, like that's where it's at because that is the future. That girl is, will, will have the power and already does have the power to participate in the conversation. And even like myself, even like I get hired to, to direct other things, right? I get hired to direct commercials and, um, and other things. I'm being offered things right now that are really exciting for me that I can't really talk about yet. Yeah. Even like as a commercial director, I'm being given more freedom in the, in the stories. Like I can, like, they're looking to me, like, how do you conceive this? Whereas before it was like, okay, here's the concept, execute it. I wasn't always thrilled with the concept, but I was great. You got to have the job it. done. And the same time yeah. that I can direct is the best day of my life. And hopefully now you'll have another goal post, which will be best day of your life, directing things that excite you more than just like getting the job done and like getting to create a vision. And, and yeah, so- well, now I'm, I'm being, I'm getting the offers, you know, I, before, before we actually picked up this conversation, I was uh, given a revised script of something that I've been, uh, you know, that they're in talks with me about. And it's such a wonderful wonderful based on a true story really inspirational and when we started the conversation our first conversation after i'd read the first draft now i just read the second draft um after i read the first draft i was just like whoever found me for this like you really did your homework because this is exactly me the stories i want to tell the feeling i want to get the feeling i want to give like i get goosebumps i cry in these stories and and that's you know i'm that's who i am <laughs> so, <laughs> i'm a little more uh i'm definitely a lot happy i have a lot of happiness and and then i i'm, I'm very emotional so these are the stories that i that i'm good at telling as well and also you know the emotion comes from pain and and i'm good at um i'm good at uh transforming my struggles my pain into purpose mm-hmm. and uh and into art that can you know just reveal you know there's always a reason why that happened and you just have to keep that in your mind in order to stay positive that's such a beautiful metaphor that i really like that sentence uh, turn your struggle and pain into 
like purpose. I, I that was something that was really powerful to just hear. Um, and it like I mean you are the proof of that. Just seeing everything that you've put together. Uh, now I I obviously want to hear more about Brownstone Bread in this section, but uh, where can people keep up with you? Where can they learn more about Brownsville Bread? And then also, uh, in addition to Brownsville Bread and anything else you've worked on, do you have any Latino shows, Latino shows, movies that you think audiences should check out if they've never seen it before, in addition to all the great things you've worked on? Uh, I, I consume so much. Let me just say I consume yes. so much. Um, where you can, where can you keep up with me? Definitely. I'm an Instagram person. So Instagram above anything else at Elaine Del Valle director, my name director. Um, and also at Brownsville bread, um, also on Instagram and, um, the things, the things that I'm watching, I have discovered. So right now I've been watching, um, and I'm a little late in the game, but I've been watching, um, the walking dead fear of the walking dead. All right. And I have discovered that it's actually a Latino show. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. It's Ruben Blades. It's like a whole family. It's um, it's um, uh, Coleman Domingo, who's also um, Latino, um, even though people may not know it. But but there's so many Latinos in it. And I'm like, you're the walking dead is Latino show. Like, this yeah. is crazy. Um, uh, so, so yeah, this is what I'm watching of late. And then unfortunately there's not a lot of, uh, things you can look to, but also Lincoln lawyer on Netflix. Yeah. Like that was really exciting when, you know, I have a, I have a meeting, I've had a meeting with those, with the, with some people who cover Lincoln lawyer. I'm about to have another meeting, um, with another person who covers it. And it's, you know, I'm only watching it because I have these meetings. And so I discover them because I want to, you know, know what I'm meeting, know, know the people that I'm meeting with and what it is that they're doing. So, um, so I was really, really excited to view Lincoln Lawyer and um, the lead character, the protagonist, Mickey Haller. He is a Latino and, you know, it's not a, a Latino story. It's just a story with Latinos actors in it, which is really which is really great because that's the same as The Walking Dead. It's not yeah. like, oh, this is a Latino story. It, it's just a human story. And they put Latinos at the forefront of it. And that was really exciting. I loved Promised Land on ABC. Uh, I worked on Promised Land. I was really sorry yeah. to see it go. Um, but so but I was really excited when it was on and I was really sorry to see it go. Yeah. You know, what can I say? I, I I am so grateful that you said Promised Land because that's this fool, this fool on Hulu. Yeah, you gotta watch that. I will watch that. Yeah, it's a no. fantastic comedy. Um, Hulu has um, this fool, and then also a, a black female comedy called um, Everything's Trash. Yes, Everything's Trash been on my list for a minute. Yeah, uh, so this fool and everything trash. You know, everything's trash. I don't watch things because you know, they're Latino or black or yeah. whatever. I just- But it enhances the experience if, it, if they are, yeah. Which I never actually knew that Fear the Walking Dead had that many Latinos. Otherwise, maybe I would have watched it. Oh, you, it's, you it's just a Fear the Walking Dead, watch it. It's like, it's Ruben Blades. It's, um, it's his whole family. It's Coleman Domingo. And, and more and more people like keep showing up. And I, and I love the way that the, I love the way that the, um, that it's a, it's sort of an anthology series because it goes in and out of 
different lives and it leaves these characters and then it picks them up later. Like, I just love that about it. So, um, yeah, there's, oh, there's so much good content out there, especially like on HBO. Um, I love love life. Um, I love the way that that, um, intertwines and the anthology series aspect of it as well. Um, yeah, so I love, um, Miranda Quack's, um, the cleaning lady. I mean, yeah. she's Filipino, but 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 the but it has elements the, male lead, the male lead is actually Latino and um and his wife, and it's it's just exciting storytelling. Yeah. Um, that yeah, I'm just especially female protagonists. I really love. Um, so yeah, it's so I could go on and on. I could I could I, I have a list of what I love. Physical. I mean, the best directing on television in my head is Apple TV's physical and then swagger. I love swagger. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm a geek when it comes to camera movements and how the camera informs the story and how the camera um, takes on the, the protagonist characteristics. And, and when you have such a strong protagonist, the camera has so much freedom to do that. Um, uh, dream, uh, uh, blind spotting, I mean, Oh, I could I could go on and on. I'm, I'm a total geek. <laughs> I, I love that we have people in the industry that care so much about like and have such a vision with how cameras like the uh, and thinking about the camera movement as a director that are like people uh, thinking about how they can inform Latina stories as well. And like maybe hopefully we'll see an evolution of how stories are told in terms of like the camera itself, uh, maybe like there's like a Latina technique that you conceive and it becomes the Del Valle method of filming. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I mean, you, you know, you have Irianato, you have Cuadron, you have, yeah. you have so many directors that you can look at for inspiration. And it's really me studying those things because when I began my career, I began as, a, as an actor. Uh, when I began directing, I didn't study directing but I knew acting and I knew how to get the performances that I wanted and what I was after in terms of what I wanted the actor to, um, to deliver into the story, how, how everything was informing the story. So those things were already um, something that was built into me because I, was, I had studied acting for so many years, seriously studied acting for so many years, scene study, professional scene study, work with amazing actors, watch them grow, watch scenes grow for so many years. So all those things were innate to me to be able to communicate with the actor. But I had to learn how to use the camera. And I learned that, and when I say how to use the camera, I'm not a cinematographer, but I work closely with, with my cinematographers. And, um, and I work to be able to learn how to communicate with them effectively and also how you know every, every decision you make with the lensing, the placement, the blocking, all of these things have to inform your story or at least have to save time and money. Yeah. Be able, so, and you have to know all these things in order to troubleshoot those moments when you don't have the time to finish that. So now you have to, you know, like connect these two scenes in a way that makes sense for your budget and for your amount of time that you have with the actors or, you know, but all of these things really matter. And um, I have to say, I learned that um, through two places. Uh, first, I, I 
I take classes everywhere and I, I study like everything online, but the Sundance Institute, the CoLab, um, they have um, direct, they've had, they've had directing courses, episodic intensives, um, writing intensives, feature film intensives. I really learned from that. And also um, every time I, I apply to all these programs and I learn from so many people, um, but I, no matter if I get into the program or not, I ask them what their reading list consists of. So I want to read every book that the American Film Institute offers to their student body. Mm. So I've read all of those books and I have to say those books have really, really helped me to, you know, work through a filmmaker's eye, to communicate with different levels of production and why things are important and color story and, you know, every single thing matters. And um, yeah, especially when you're indie filmmaking, you mm -hmm. just want to make the best choices because you, you don't have a lot of budget. So you really want to make smart choices. Indie filmmakers always, I love how you introduced yourself multi-hyphenate at the start of this call, um, but uh, you wear so many different hats. You're directing, producing, creating, acting, casting, uh, filming, like you wear so many hats and it's inspiring to see a Latina take on all these roles to create her vision and bring her vision to life. And that's incredibly inspiring. Well, I do them all one at a time, so I don't yeah. want people to oh, you know, yeah. focus on their on their goals. I think you need to focus on your goal, really, really hone in and focus on what it is that you want. And anything that comes into your life that's not going to help you get in that direction, you have to be able to say no to. Mm -hmm. I'm very lucky. My casting business, I was actually offered a job in casting, and I started in commercials. So a lot of my work is actually very, you know, fast turnaround, pretty easy turnaround. I know good acting. So I immediately know, you know, you had me at hello. Um, and then, and then I get to support emerging filmmakers by also casting for features. And like right now I'm casting something. And um, I thought I only had to cast the lead in a, um, in a, they're doing a proof of concept for a series as well. Um, from an award-winning uh, playwright and terrific actor, Latino. And um, and so I cast the lead, you know, I, I did the auditions for them for the lead. And now they said to me, um, well, now we're having trouble finding this one. I'm like, oh God, okay. <laughs> and, but actually I know exactly who's right for that. And yeah. it kind of would be nice for me to know how that person is going to work how the parents are going to be to deal with how all of that, because I'm thinking about having them in, in my next portion of, mm -hmm. of Brownsville yeah. Bread. So like, this is a way for me to, you know, hear like, how is it really to work with them? Are they amenable? Are the parents okay? How, how did it go? <laughs> so um, yeah, so I just got that text message yesterday and I'm like, okay, let me, let me, let me share this person with them so that, um, so, so that they can benefit but then also I can benefit as well by understanding what the logistics are going to be like moving forward. That's awesome to have like kind of like a test run uh, that like a lot well, of everything, other people... right? So you just have to think about how things are going to connect. Mm -hmm. You know, when this person asked me if I'll cast this for them, of course I make money as a casting director, but then if it's an emerging Latino director, Latina director who I really, really believe in and I really want to help and they come to me and they've been in my projects and like, we're in this together, you know, vayamos juntos. And um, 
And I think that's really important for them to feel my support because I know what it is to be supported. And, and actually, you know, when other people support me, like I'm down, like you support me, I got you. I had Adele Morales. I just cast his second feature film. So happy to help him. And I remember when I lost my, 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 my driver, my gear truck driver, um, just days before I was going to shoot. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to fix this. Like just two days before I really needed it. And he said to me, I'll take off of work and I'll do it. He's a professor. Yeah. <laughs> He'll take off of work in the last day of work. He will take off to drive my gear truck. So, so this is how we, at least in New York, how the Latinx filmmakers, we have each other's back a hundred percent. And, and that's really a, you know, a great thing that is continuing to grow. And, and I'm really happy to be a part of that. Um, part of the part of like showing them the way and being on the path as well. That's so exciting to hear that there's like such a powerful community behind you and like in terms of this community in Hollywood, like the like, I think everyone gets excited, at least the Latinos and Latina people that I know in my life, we all get excited when there is Latina joy and success in the industry. So yes. it's awesome to hear that it's like similar, like it actually looks that way with the people that work together and collaborate together and this uh, sense of paying it forward. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much for your time. And again, everyone needs to check out Brownsville Bread and I will keep promoting it every time yes. I see. And so if you want to, um, you know, we have a fiscal sponsor. If people want to uh, join us and donate to support, it's a 501c3 um, way of donating. Um, and definitely, you know, go on brownsvillebread.com, B-R-E-D, brownsvillebread.com. And uh, you could definitely make a tax deductible donation that will go entirely to helping us completing what we started. Yes, and I'll link all of that in the show notes. Uh, show notes. Uh, Elaine, thank you so much for your time. I, I very much appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, and I appreciate your your um, your time and thought into what you know Brownsville Bread meant for you, because that actually feeds my soul. Thank you. Y'all, wasn't Elaine great? I think she's fantastic and I'm so excited to see what she does with her career and how successful Brownsville Bread is able to be and I'm going to continue to uh, support it because y'all it was so powerful to watch in that theater at the Holly Shorts Festival. I remember being incredibly moved by seeing the project uh, and I didn't know when I got invited to this shout out to Aaron Schoenbaum for getting me uh, an invite to this and uh, a ticket to see this. Uh, but uh, I didn't know it was going to be a Latino story, even though I think Aaron had mentioned it before. Um, I must have forgotten that. And I was just like blown away by how powerful the story was. It showed Latino joy. It showed pain. It showed like the whole range of emotion that humans can experience, right? But all about this Latino story and this like powerful and somber and like wholesome story despite all the pain that the young character faces and I, I really was incredibly moved by it and I highly highly recommend it if you're able to get a chance to see it uh, I, I cannot recommend it enough alright so the next person on the docket here for this project should be Katya Martin 
Uh, we had a scheduling hiccup earlier this week, so we weren't able to record at our uh, previous set, and that's completely on my end. Uh, so thank you to Katya for being flexible and uh, still wanting to do this project. And uh, I'm so excited to talk to her. Uh, she is one of the stars of Promised Land, just like Rolando Chuzan from uh, last week. Uh, she's hopefully not the last person from Promised Land we'll be chatting with. So if you haven't done it yet, feel free to check out Promised Land on Hulu. Only 10 episodes, a quick binge. Uh, if you like the show Succession, it's kind of like Succession, but instead of white people, it's Latine people. And instead of like these toxic white people, it's uh, about... Uh, messy Latinos trying to take over their dad's wine company. Uh, but it also has a lot of immigration storylines, and I think it's a really well-told story. Um, and it's it's a great cast. So I said it's a top to Katya. Now, before we wrap things up again, like Daniel Strunk, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts uh, and Spotify as well. Wherever you listen to your podcast, feel free to review. It really helps us attract new listeners, especially with this project, which I think should be more uh, accessible and a lot more people should listen to because it is such an important conversation, not just in terms of like this as a little passion project for me, but I think it's a conversation that needs to be enforced and repeatedly uh, heard that Latina people aren't represented on TV and movies in the way that we should, especially given the amount of people from Latin America in this country, right? Uh, so I appreciate that, but also for any people who might like 90s, 2000s nostalgia-based content, like some of the projects we have going on, including We Want to Be Famous, our Total Drama Island uh, rewatch podcast, and Pod Talk Jam and Break, which is our high school musical, the musical, the series recap podcast. Now, before I continue with plugs, I just want to thank Autumn and Sam for their patience with me as I prioritize this project over the other podcasts that we do. So it does mean a lot to me that they've been pushing me and uh, to do this project and so supportive of it uh, when it cuts into their podcast time uh, with me. And uh, I am just so appreciative of them and their friendship. Uh, now, we also have a Scooby-Doo podcast if you want to learn more about the Scooby-Doo Cinematic Universe. That used to be my friend Kate and I, then it became my friend Jacob and I, and now it is me and rotating panels of guests. So we have a whole back catalog there of all the Scooby-Doo movies so far. The last one was with my great friend Lisa, who's another supportive friend that we stand. Uh, and then lastly, we have a Phineas and Ferb podcast that I do weekly with my friends Will and Navi. Uh, that is a Phineas and Ferb rewatch podcast. You can catch that on the What You Doing feed, but also on the Dragon Babies feed, where we have also the Brazilian Dragon Network contributors, uh, including the Gravity Bros and Who Can't Keep a Secret with Jay and AJ, which is a Pretty Little Liars rewatch podcast. Now, thank you all for this abundance of plugs. Thank you, Elaine, Gabby, Paula, Rolando, Lirsa, Fanny, and Abby Maria so far for joining me on this project i'm excited to bring you a couple more interviews before the month wraps up on october 15th and uh for my latine pop culture plug of the week i should have really thought about this more in advance but um my friend paula who you heard from earlier this week uh my friend paula ryan and i we went to see pan's labyrinth in theaters earlier this week and guillermo del toro was a fantastic director. It was such a quirky little film. I for, I've actually never seen it before because I thought it was a horror movie. And my brother said he used to be scared of it when he was younger. So um, I Scooby-Doo is like my litmus test. Sometimes dad's even too scary for me. You can call me a wimp. I don't care. I don't like scary movies. Um, so, but that one I really enjoyed. And I think it's awesome to see a movie 
completely done in Spanish, uh, be so groundbreaking, uh, especially with like the costumes and the practical effects and all of the stuff they did with that film. So that's going to be my plug for the week. Until next time, everyone, uh, you can follow me on Brazil Dragon Pod on all social media, especially the Instagram. Uh, you can follow me on my main profile at What the Fleep on all social media. Uh, check out Brownsville Brad and Elaine Del Valle. I'll link them in the show notes. Um, but until next time, everyone, si se puede and echa palante. just a subway and the one slash nine climbed the dotted line to my place there's no nine train now right i used to think the bronx was a place in the sky when the world was just a subway And my thoughts took shape on that fire escape. Can you remind me of what it was like at the top of the world? Come with me. We begin July with the stop in my corner fire. Got drenched till I heard the sirens And then I ran like you hell ran like Yeah, hell. I ran like yeah, hell
So please don't say you're proud of me when I lost my way. And can I say I couldn't get my mind off you all day? Now listen to me, that may be how you perceive it. But Nina, please believe that when you find your way again, you are gonna change the world and then we're all gonna brag and say we knew. You're fine.